Hey, Mama. I know getting meals on the table for your family can feel tough, especially finding weeknight-friendly meals that everyone in the family will love. There's a good chance it's why you're here, at least I hope so. Helping moms take the stress out of feeding their family is my biggest passion. It's why I share with you here, and it's why I created the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. If you've ever wished this podcast came with a weekly done-for-you dinner plan with a shopping list and meal prep tips, or maybe a recipe library with over 200 family-friendly recipes, cooking tips, how-tos, and hacks, well, it does, and it's all in the Healthy Mama Cooking Club over on Patreon. Starting at just $3 a month for access to our 200-plus recipe vault with printable PDF recipes, or $5 a month for weekly done-for-you dinner plans, plus the recipe vault and bonus podcasts every month, the Healthy Mama Cooking Club is the dinnertime solution you're looking for. Head to patreon.com slash healthymamachris or click the link in the show notes to try it out for a week free and join over 130 other busy mamas making weeknight meals work with the Healthy Mama Cooking Club. I can't wait to see you in there. All right, let's get on with the episode. Living a healthy, balanced life is no small feat, especially when you're a mom. With meals to cook, laundry to load, work to do, and humans to raise, it can be easy to feel like we're in an on-again, off-again relationship with healthy living. But it doesn't have to feel this way. I believe living a healthy life has become way too complicated. What we need isn't a new plan or program telling us what to eat or how to live. We need simple, uncomplicated routines and information that's going to help us live our best, most beautiful life without rules and restrictions. Join me, Kristen Dofniak, holistic health coach, certified intuitive eating counselor, and mama of two for weekly conversations on what it means to live a healthy, balanced life, uncomplicate eating, and simplify in every area of mom life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. I'm Chris Dovniak, your host, and as usual, I am so excited about today's guest episode. I love having guests on who are experts in topics that I am not, and though I love food and I love eating seasonally, and I try to do so as much as I can, I don't know a lot about gardening and preserving and being self-sufficient in my own food, mostly because we've lived in apartments for most of our married life. And though my dad does have a fabulous garden, and he always has, and I'm very grateful for him for it, for the bounty that we get to enjoy and for him bringing my kids into the garden along with him, I'm really excited to have a guest on who is an expert on gardening and preserving in many different ways, as she shares, because it's not just about canning and being more self-sufficient and living more simply. And so today I have on Stephanie Leaf. She is a simple living mother of four who helps modern families create a simpler, more homegrown, healthier, and more intentional life. She focuses on gardening, food preservation, cooking from scratch, homemade cleaning and personal products, old-fashioned skills, and how you can fit this lifestyle into your modern life without moving to the country and living off the grid. I think many of us are interested in this topic, but we might not know where to start. So I took this interview exactly as myself, as someone who doesn't have a lot of 
of experience in this area. And I ask the questions that hopefully you will find the answers helpful to when it comes to starting out with gardening and food preserving and just being more self-sufficient. So I think you are going to love this episode. I had such a good time chatting with Stephanie, and I think you guys are going to get a lot of great tips. And I don't know about you, but I am super inspired to start growing some of my own food, even if it just means some herbs from my windowsill this year. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Stephanie. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to the Healthy Balanced Mama podcast. I am so excited to chat with you today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this topic because we haven't had anyone on the podcast yet talking about growing and preserving. And selfishly, these are topics that I want to talk more about and I want to learn more about as we're going to have a house soon and we're going to be able to do that. Right now we're in an apartment, as I was just sharing with you, off air. Um, And uh, so it'll be really exciting to be able to grow our own food. But before we jump in, I love doing a fun little icebreaker with all of my guests. So are you reading anything these days? Uh, what am I reading right now? Um, let me see. I'm looking at my side table. I'm reading a book. I've just got into it, so I'm not really sure. It's called Reclaiming Conversation. Um, so it's about being more intentional in conversating with people, um, in the digital age now. It's not about gardening or anything, but I'm also in, in the gardening realm doing, uh, Uh, I'm like really in depth in fermenting. So that's my other book. Oh, cool. Learning about, yeah. That's awesome. I have done a little bit of fermentation in the past. So that's something we could definitely chat about. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So let's dive in then. How did you get into the world of actually, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us how you got into the world of gardening and preserving and from scratch cooking. Was it something you grew up with or a passion that you just came to know? So I'm really excited to be here because um, I love gardening, food preservation, self-sufficiency. Uh, I did not grow up doing any of that. Um, so when my, my husband and I first bought our home in 2012, it had a pretty large property. I mean, large compared to what I grew up with. So it was about two acres. So my mother and I were like, we have to do a garden. We had no idea what we were doing. So we just threw everything in, just jumped right in, you know, head first. And we had a pretty good um, first year, uh, but it was overgrown. We had tons of pests. So, um, was not, it was successful in some ways and some others, but we, um, so we, we continued to do that. And when I had my kids, it, and I think this happens for a lot of people is that you become a little bit more intentional on what you're consuming, um, the products you're using, you know, just everything seems to be more important once you start having kids. So I really, that's when I really started, um, investing my energy and my time into being more self-sufficient, being more aware of what we were doing and intentional on the foods we're eating, what we're consuming, where we are putting our energy. So it definitely has uh, ramped up in the last six years. And it's really been a big focus of myself and my family, Um, but it was not something I grew up with. I wish I did because I love the old time, the old fashioned skills, the the time honored skills that have been passed on that I think we've lost. A lot of people have lost along the way. Mm, I agree. I think we have lost a lot of those along the way. And as I I was telling you before we started recording, uh, my dad has always had this really big, beautiful garden. And and I say big, it was big in my head. Now that I'm an adult, I'm like, well, it wasn't really that big, but he had a a large variety of plants and we could help him with it. Um, But other than that, I, you know, a lot of the things we're going to talk about today are things that just 
my mom wasn't a huge cook because her mom wasn't a huge cook. Mm. And so they just sort of cooked to survive. Um, yeah. And then somehow I got into the culinary world. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, there there wasn't a lot about really learning how to grow your own food, how to preserve your food, how to, it was really just, you go to the grocery store and you get your food and you cook like whatever you need to survive and then you move on. <laughs> right. Um, and, and other than the growing season when my dad would have some beautiful things in his garden, then, you know, that was kind of all I was exposed to. So I think it is more and more people are going, okay, especially with food prices being so high mm -hmm. now, like, oh my gosh, I, I have a yard. I could yeah. grow this stuff myself. And it's so fun too to just get your hands dirty and to like actually eat something that you have made yourself. It's it's really cool. So I love that you have this this passion, yeah. even if you didn't grow up with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think we are really seeing this uh revival kind of coming back, like you said, with the food prices and with just wanting to kind of reclaim a little bit of our own food security and our own confidence and that kind of thing. A lot of people are turning to this and realizing like, why am I not doing this? There's really no reason I can't, um, you know, do this for myself and for my family. So uh, that's really exciting as well. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I would love for you to just sort of define for us then what is self-sufficient living? What are the benefits? What are some of the things that you do? I mean, we've obviously talked about gardening. I mentioned preserving. What are some of the things you do to be as self-sufficient as possible when it comes to your food? So and I, uh, I love to help modern mothers or mother fam modern families incorporate this into their modern lifestyle, you know, so like kind of melding these old fashioned skills uh, with their modern lifestyle. So I'm not an all or nothing person. I'm going to put that out there right now. But um, I like to teach people that there's two different things that I kind of use interchangeably, and that's self-sufficient living and simple living. So I'll kind of talk about what those are. So self-sufficient living is being able to take care of your own needs and your own wants by yourself or without external assistance. Uh, and it's also having that confidence to be able to do that. So maybe you don't know how to do everything, but having confidence to know that you can learn how to do it or know that you can be resourceful enough to figure it out. And that's just so empowering, right? In, in and of itself, that you have the ability to figure things out, to take care of your family. And I don't think that that means being self-sufficient hundred percent. I don't, I think that's kind of an unrealistic goal. So I think that means finding other options to just the grocery store. So maybe it's being community sufficient, maybe figuring out other places to find your meat. Like maybe, like you said, you're in an apartment, I'm only on two acres, so I can't have a cow. I can't start raising my own beef. Uh, although I would love to, but I have to find other ways to do that. So I think it's all about having options, being empowered to figure out where you can get options because options is like freedom, right? You don't have to rely on the grocery store. You can go to a local farm. If you choose to the grocery store, that's fine. Um, but you have other options in the case of, you know, who knows what. Uh, so that's self-sufficient living. And simple living is a little bit more abstract. It's not so like defined. I think it kind of means different to a lot of different people. Self-sufficient to me is, um, or I mean, simple living, excuse me, means that you're being more intentional in where you're putting your time and your energy, your money, your effort, all those types of things. So you're being more intentional to um, choose to have a garden. Like, so there's all these things that you can learn to do. You can raise your own food. You can grow your own food. You can have chickens. You can learn to sew. You can, um, you know, do, do all these things. And they all sound wonderful, at least in my mind. Um, but you may not be able to do all that. So it's being more intentional where you're putting your effort and your time. And maybe you choose to have your own garden, 
but you choose to, to not have, um, chickens, right? So you go to a local farm and get chickens. So it's just being more intentional, I think is all the whole thing about being simple, like more simple living. Oh, I love that. (laughs) And I like that you're not an all or nothing uh, type of person when it Mm -hmm. comes to that, because, you know, like for us, we, we, we love, we love animals. We have a farm across the street um, and we, we go all the time, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. a lot. They, they probably know us there at this point. (laughs) Uh, My kids really want chickens. They really want a couple goats. We, like I said, live in an apartment. We don't have that right now, but eventually it would be great to be able to have our own eggs, to have goats so we can have goat milk and goat milks and make goat Mm -hmm. milk soap and all of these things. But at this point, the best that we can do is, you know, help my dad with his garden and mm-hmm. bring home some of his bounty and we right. can go to the farmer's market and we can. Um, and so I love that it, you're, it's all about intentionality and what you can do kind of where you're at, depending on, you know, everyone has a different amount of land. Like you said, some people yeah. can have cows. My husband would love that. I don't think yeah. he considers um, the actual, you know, the effort that would take to have a cow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I think it's it's fantastic that you are encouraging modern moms to yeah. kind of start where they are and maybe see you know what they're interested in in terms of how they can start to become more self-sufficient, how they can live more simply. So I love all of that. We've kind of been on a journey over the past probably since my daughter was born to try and simplify as much as possible in terms of like just minimizing our overall belongings. So we don't have Mm -hmm. a huge house full of stuff. We've been, we've been on this journey of kind of um, making a lot of our own homemade um, cleaning products and things like that Mm -hmm. for several years. There are little things that we try and we Mm -hmm. try and do just to simplify life, even though, you know, we are not in a place where we can have animals or grow our own food or any of that, but hopefully in the future. Yeah. So. Well, you mentioned making your own cleaners and stuff. And that's kind of like where I love to tell people to get started because it's not yeah. um, seasonal based. Like it's not, you know, you can do it at any point in time and it really does create a daily like um, intention, you know, like mm-hmm. making your own cleaning and it, it puts a real impact on your family just in doing that, those little things. So like just making your own all purpose cleaner mm-hmm. and not having to buy it at the store, you know, it's, it's just like something easy you can do. And it really yeah. does work. At least those stuff I, you know, it's, it, uh, yeah. <laughs> It does. I know. And it's so much less expensive than if you're looking for kind of the more natural options at the store. It's insane Mm -hmm. how you can get a giant bottle of vinegar for like two or three dollars and use that for so long and so many different products. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, so yeah, that's, it's a great, it's a great option too. So I love that. There's so many different places where we can, where we can start. Oh, absolutely. I want to talk, I like, I like the idea of talking more about the, the cleaning products, but I want to kind of start with growing mm-hmm. our own food. Cause you're, you're so big on that. Yeah. And like I mentioned, my dad's a big gardener. Um, he's not an expert by any means, but he's always had a nice vegetable garden. And yeah. I used to help him with it when I was a child and I have really good memories around that. And now my kids help him with it, which <laughs> is really fun. And I was sharing that it's been a really cold season here and he hasn't done much with it yet. And so he's right. kind of getting antsy about getting things in the ground. And my kids are like waiting for the first little, um, the first little sprouts to come up. So I do feel like I've kind of gotten my hands dirty, pun intended a little yeah. bit when it comes to gardening, <laughs> but I don't have a garden myself. So for someone like me who right now we're not able to have a garden for at least several months, but I do feel like it's a little overwhelming. Like, yes, I can ask mm-hmm. my dad, I can be like, okay, what are kind of the basics? But again, he's not really, he's not really an expert. He's just kind of 
he does what he's always done. Right. <laughs> so it's a little overwhelming to go, okay, I want to start growing my own food, but where do I start? So where does the woman listening who's like, okay, I want to be more self-sufficient. I want to start growing my own food. What is your advice for like first steps? So first steps for a garden. And uh, I, I say this because I want your first year to be as successful as possible um, because you may not come back if you're, if you're, because it, it, it is work, it is effort. Um, so if you're not successful at all, you may not come back the next year to put in a garden. So let's like make it as simple as possible for the first year. If you're, if this really is something you're interested in doing. So I would look at what you, you, what you're buying, what you eat, um, because it's real, it's really easy to want to put everything in your garden. Um, and then like, I remember our first year I planted eggplant, I planted all this stuff. And while I like eggplant, I don't, I never make it. So we had all this eggplant and then it was like, just took up room in the garden and it was, it, it attracted other pests and stuff for the other. So it was just, you know, to know, to do this with something that you, you eat and you know, your family will consume, um, is one thing to start. So look at that. And then I would look at, um, determining where you're going to grow it. Cause I think that is what really holds people up. Um, they don't want to go too permanent if, if it doesn't work. So there's a couple ways that you can plant. You can plant in containers, raised beds, or in an actual garden plot. So in your first year, I would tell you to do containers because they're versatile and you can move them around. They're not permanent. And you, you can kind of use the, your first year to experiment with the sunlight um, and uh, location and figuring out those kind of things easier with the container. And I would look for um, buying plants already started at the store. So go to a nursery center. So you're not dealing with the variables of starting seeds and all that craziness, um, because that can, is just another variable that, you know, your plants might not grow. So I would go to the nursery and I would get plants that are container specific because they, um, they have, you know, different plants that are bred specifically for containers for small spaces. So I would look at those. So I would do like tomatoes, lettuces are super easy to grow. Uh, I would do herbs because not only can you do herbs, but you can dry them and then you can actually see a longer term impact because if you have a well-producing herb, you can harvest it and dry it and then you can use it all year round. It's a real simple, simple way to make an impact that you can then enjoy it all year. Uh, so I would do just things you eat specifically. So I would start there. Um, in order to have your best success. And then there's whole other things I can, I can teach you, but that's what I would say when you're first starting your first year. Mm, that's so smart. I mean, it makes so much sense to yeah. have it in the container so you can move things around. We've done a little bit of container gardening when we've had, um, we've had a nice big deck at the house that we used to be at. So we do, we've done herbs. Mm -hmm. uh, we did some lettuce. We tried to do tomatoes, but the tomatoes didn't work out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, are any of these things that we could grow inside? Because I, I was thinking about that this year, and the place we're in is temporary. Can yeah. I grow herbs inside? If absolutely, it's sunny yeah, yeah, absolutely. If you have a nice window that you're getting enough sun, you can mm -hmm. certainly do it inside. And I don't know if you have a a balcony or something, but you can do yeah. that as well. If you're doing it out of balcony, depending on where you are, I know that um, I've seen people have trouble if they're like on the top floor and they're mm -hmm. doing things that need that pollination because they'll have to self. I don't want, now I'm getting a little specific, but if your bees aren't getting to the top and you mm -hmm. have a self, you have a pollinating plant, you might not <laughs> get it pollinated. So you might not get tomatoes or 
peppers or whatever. So mm-hmm. those sense. are some things, but herbs. Yeah. Herbs are like, if you really don't know where to start, start with herbs because mm-hmm. you can use them. You can make a big difference in your cooking just by using fresh herbs. Yes. Um, you can appreciate them in basically any meal mm-hmm. and then you can dry them super easy, really easy. And then have them all year long. So Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's I love that. I'm gonna try I need to try herbs this year again yeah. because I've done them in the past and they worked out really great. They're the only thing I've ever grown on my yeah. own other than lettuce. Like I said, the tomatoes didn't work, but you know what? As you're saying that we were on the top floor yeah. and we didn't do any sort of like trying to pollinate or anything like right. that. So I don't know, maybe the bees didn't get to us or that's I did something quite, wrong. That's Either way. Possible. Yeah. <laughs> but I love tomatoes. My kids love tomatoes. They will eat them like candy. Like they will <laughs> eat, especially grape tomatoes, cherry tomatoes. Yeah. They're the best in the middle of the summer here in New England. When my dad's tomatoes are blooming, they'll just go and they'll just take handfuls. It's so and fun. It's so fun for the kids to just be able to go out and have food like like just right there that they're allowed to like pick and eat. I always, I do yeah. cherry tomatoes a lot. Just, I, and I do extra plants just around the property. Cause they just love to like, when they're playing, like just eat, yeah. eat it. Yeah. So that's a lot of fun. I love that. It's so cool too to teach our kids where their food comes from. Yeah. Cause I think it can be so easy for them to feel so far removed. Like food just shows up at the grocery store, mm-hmm. but where does it actually come from? And granted, we're not growing bananas in, you know, I'm right. in Rhode Island, but there are, so there are some foods they're not gonna be able to see, but they can see that the, the tomatoes are growing. They can see that we're growing these herbs in this pot, mm-hmm. or they can see, um, yeah, they, we had these little at my dad's house last year or my parents' house, they had these little tiny kale plants that really only got to be a few inches tall because Mm -hmm. the animals would eat them. But they, the kids were so proud because they helped to plant them. And so every time they went over to their grandparents' house, they would take like three or four little kale leaves and bring them to be like, mommy, we made you a salad. (laughs) So cute. And I ate them and they were delicious, Um, but it is very cool for them. Yeah. to see that and to be able to enjoy that. I actually have a picture of my oldest daughter. She's eight now before she had really any teeth. I think she had like four teeth, maybe I'm mm-hmm. um, taking a snap pea off of my dad's garden and like trying to eat it and like <laughs> taking little <laughs> tiny bites. It's the cutest little picture. And yeah. so it is, it's so cool for not just it us, is. not just the self, self sufficiency part of things, but also mm-hmm. kind of teaching our kids and, and giving them that option. I mean, what better snack is there than like a handful right. of fresh tomatoes in the middle of the summer. <laughs> and I think it's important to like you, like you're cook and you teach people to cook and they like, these yeah. are like food skills. These are like the most yes. fundamental skills of like how to like survive. So like you're teaching your kids how to survive, how to be able to eat, how to be able to feed yourself. So they'll really never go hungry if they have these skills, um, cooking from scratch and, and growing their own food, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so true. And from a culinary perspective too, there's nothing like fresh vegetables, like from your garden or from your local area. There's such a difference. I think people who tell me that they hate vegetables, I'm like, you probably haven't eaten good vegetables. So (laughs) go to your farmer's market, try. There's definitely a difference. Yeah, there really is. Between a grocery store tomato and a homegrown tomato. Yes. Oh my gosh, (laughs) so much. (laughs) Okay. So when we're talking about starting vegetables Mm -hmm. in our garden, how do we know? when to plant them? Because this is something I'm very confused about. Yeah. Um, you know, when do we plant them? Like, can I just go get seeds? Obviously I don't have the garden right now, but can I go get seeds tomorrow or are there specific times and how do we find out when? Okay. So there are two things that you need to know, um, about your, your area. So you need to know when your freeze dates are, and I'll explain that in a minute. And you need to know your growing zone. So freeze dates are two dates that your first freeze date and your last freeze date, your last freeze date 
is the last day, this is estimated based on like historical uh, trends and stuff. Um, your last date that you can expect a killing frost, like a freezing temperature that will kill all your, your crops. Right. So for us, where I'm located and I'm on the Eastern East coast, um, it is, um, like mid April, right. So like April 15th, typically is what I look at. And then I always, at that point, what that means is that you don't want to plant anything that can't survive freezing temperatures before that, or that freeze date will kill it. So we're looking at that as a guideline. So for some time, sometimes that might be like, if you're in like Wyoming or somewhere where there's a lot like colder temperature, that might be later. That might not be until end of May, which means your growing season is shorter, which means you have to take advantage of, if you want tomatoes, you need to take advantage of either buying starts from the nursery or starting seeds yourself indoors because is this making sense? Hopefully I don't, because it can get a little like dates and times, but like, let's say April 15th, if I want to on April 15th, like weather looks good, put my tomatoes in the plant, in the ground. I can't put a seed in there because by the time that germinates and plants, it's going to be July, August Mm -hmm. before it even like maybe gets a chance to harvest. So you want a long growing season, especially if you're buying tomatoes or you're going to plant tomatoes that harvest that like produce continually. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to start those seeds six, eight weeks before my freeze date with the intention of putting them into the ground. Mm, Uh, so, and a lot of this is like when you buy seed packets, it will say when to plant them. Sometimes it says you can plant them, um, right in the ground, right after, you know, when the freezing temperature is um, passed. And a lot of times they have, well, we have, so there's like warm vegetables and cold hardy vegetables. So like your broccolis, your cabbages, your radishes, uh, like you had said, your dad had already planted some radishes, even when it was cold they're more cold hardy. So they can withstand some colder temperatures, your tomatoes, your peppers, watermelons, your summer, right. That like, like mm-hmm. feel like summer aren't going to do that. So you want to wait till after freeze. So there is, um, guidelines there. And I mean, you can find tons of information on this. So, but to know your freeze dates, your lot, your first freeze date, your last freeze date, first freeze date is like your freeze date in like November, or October, or whenever mm-hmm. that is for me, it's usually end of October. Um, where you can't expect a, a freeze, you know, mm-hmm. your like your first freeze. And so that's what you want to know as far as your freeze dates. And then you want to know your growing zone. And for me, it's like seven, we're in like zone seven. So the United States is broken up into these hardiness zones where uh, it kind of gives you just a guideline um, agriculturally, what can grow in your zone. So I'm not going to be able to grow orange trees or like you said, banana trees where I'm at but a lot of other things grow. So that kind of gives you a little bit more guideline as far as what can grow in your zone. And when you buy seed packets, like I just have one here, but it will tell you that sometimes there'll be a map about the, with the zones. It will tell you when you can plant them. So, you know, it's easy to follow. Um, So, yeah. So right now, if you're looking to grow, we're right now the mid mid May, Um, if you're looking to start tomatoes, you would want to buy them at the store. If you haven't already started seeds. That'll give you your best um, runway into a full harvest. That makes so much sense. And it, you know, it really isn't something that I would think of (laughs) something (laughs) where I'm like, I know a lot about food, but nothing about growing it. So, or very little about growing it. So 
I think those are so helpful going, okay, I just need to know where, especially because we're moving like a thousand miles from where we are now Mm -hmm. going, okay, I'm going to need to know what my growing zone is. And it makes sense that you want a longer growing season. So maybe you start with the plants versus, or start them inside, which I, we talked about my dad, my dad does do some of that, uh, depending on the year, every year is a little bit different. Mm -hmm depending on his schedule. Um, but yeah, starting, starting the actual plants in the ground rather than starting the seeds because it takes so long for them to come up. So right. it makes so much sense. This is so helpful. I feel like already I'm like, okay, yeah. I think I can do this. I can, yeah, I, can I really like containers. To- I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely doable. And like, I think that that was a lot of my back too, was like seeds. Should I be doing seeds? I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it, but like we do seeds, like for my family, we start seeds in maybe February and I figure that if something doesn't take or something doesn't transplant well, I worst case, I can go to the store and get a zucchini plant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, that costs more than a, a zucchini plant probably costs much. Uh, like one zucchini plant would cost as much as like a packet of like 100 seeds. So mm-hmm. the cost wise, but um, that would be like my fallback plan. But I like, you know, so it that took me a while to figure it, to, to get it. But once it's, uh, once you understand that it's really just extending your growing season, the seeds want the seeds helps a lot. Mm, Yeah. Okay. So I have a question and I know you mentioned starting with whatever we, whatever vegetables Mm -hmm. or fruit or whatever it might be that we typically eat, which I think is great advice because that makes a lot of sense. Why would I make something mm-hmm. that we're not really going to eat or we're not going to use up or the overabundance of eggplants, whatever it might be. <laughs> um, so I'm wondering, are there plants though, that you're like, these are a little bit, well, you talked about starting with herbs, but other than mm-hmm. herbs, I think you said lettuce too, that are a little bit more forgiving. That might be a little bit easier for someone to start with maybe to build their gardening confidence. Yeah. So I would say some, definitely choose something that puts out a big harvest. So for example, like a broccoli plant. Um, my kids love broccoli. I would love to have like a whole, a huge like plot of broccoli, but the way broccoli grow, grows is that it grows and you get a stalk of broccoli. Sometimes you might get a second one, but it's not mm-hmm. going to be as big. So if you think of that, that's one plant produces one, maybe two, um, mm-hmm. bundles of broccoli, not very, uh, space, not very efficient in spacing. So if you're looking to actually do a lot with like little space, or you're looking to have the most successful harvest, I would not do broccoli. I would not do cabbage. Um, certainly you can, but that's going to be one cabbage, right? So right. you can easily get it, it from a farmer's market much easier. Uh, so I would say tomatoes are hit or miss depending. They can be a little bit um, tricky, but cucumbers are super easy. Mm. Um, they produce a lot. For me, it's always been zucchini and squash. I mean, I we are always drowning in in good way, but <laughs> drowning in zucchini and squash. Uh, so for me, that's what I found really really works well. It puts out a lot, uh, and it puts it out quickly, so you get like that satisfaction. We've also had um, a lot of luck with watermelon and uh, those kinds of things that like actually produce and continue to produce. Mm-hmm. So I would kind of look at that, like how much is your is your, does the, the plant itself produce? Is it like Mm -hmm. something? And then there's also determinant, indeterminate. And that means whether or not it produces continually throughout Mm -hmm. the season or whether it, it produces one big harvest and then it's done. That's another factor you might want to look at when you're looking at picking plants off the shelf to Mm -hmm. put in your garden. 
Oh my gosh, this is so helpful because I, <laughs> again, I would not have thought of these things. Yeah. That makes sense that one broccoli plant just makes one little head of broccoli because that yeah. would be one of the first things I'm like, oh, well, my, my kids yeah. eat broccoli all the time. So, you know, maybe, maybe for fun, we have a couple little, couple yeah. little broccoli plants just so the satisfaction of we grew a head of broccoli. Yeah, but yeah, sure. one head of broccoli is not very. <laughs> and then you got to think you're, you're buying the plant, the seedling, and it's two or three dollars. So essentially you're paying two or three dollars for a, head of broccoli. Yeah. It's not always that like even cost, you know, efficient. Um, yes. <laughs> so we always have a ton of zucchini. That's one zucchini and yeah. summer squash. That's one my dad always has in the garden. And there's yeah. always a ton. And sometimes they're like the size of our arms. So lots of zucchini <laughs> bread and zucchini muffins. Yes. And I love grilled zucchini. So yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely yep. always a lot of that, but it's just about experimenting and finding different ways to, to yeah. use it too. Right. Absol- yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's why there's so many recipes with zucchini and yeah, other vegetables sure. like because we have so many of them. <laughs> what are we going to do with them? Might as well turn it into a cake. Yeah. There yes. you go. <laughs> so let's dive a little bit into saving our harvest. So something mm-hmm. that you also talk about is preserving, which is something that I find really fascinating, but mm-hmm. a little intimidating as well. I've done some version of preserving when I worked in food service. Um, mm-hmm. but I've never done it at home. And I think that's just the intimidation factor I've yeah. done fermentation. Like we talked about a little bit, I've done sauerkraut and I've done kimchi and I've done pickles, but I haven't actually canned preserved anything like that. So what is your advice for the new canner learning how to preserve yeah. or, you know, different ways of preserving? So I know there's different ways of preserving what's easiest to start with just Give me the mm-hmm. rundown. <laughs> so um, I think it's I, a lot of people find hesitation in this because you don't want to make your family sick, right? Like you, obviously you don't want to. Uh, and, but if, if you follow um, some pretty easy and specific guidelines, the chances of you making your family sick or getting sick off of preserved canned food um, is very low. So um, don't worry about that if you're following proper procedure. Uh, so their canning is essentially just making your food shelf stable. It's really not any more complicated than that. So it's removing all the air. The process is removing all the air um, and sealing it so that nothing can get in it. And therefore you can put it on the shelf. So there's two different kinds of canning. It's water bath canning and pressure canning. Pressure canning requires you to have a, a pressure canner, which is a little bit more of a heavy duty investment in equipment. And it's, um, deals with actually like putting pressure into it to remove food. Water bath canning is you can use, they have canner, the canning lids, which are pots, which are essentially a big stock pot, Mm -hmm. which you could use a big stock pot if you wanted to. And that is heating up water and heating up the cans to a high enough degree that you're killing anything in it. The trick with using, and that's where I would start would be with water bath canning because you don't need any specialized equipment. If you have a huge pot, you can, you can do it. And it's, um, it's relatively easy. You just have to make sure that you're doing it for enough time that the recipe requires. Mm -hmm. And you also want to make sure that anything that you're doing is, um, high enough in acidity. Uh, so there's some, some foods that aren't high enough in acid that you would want to save for pressure canning. So anything like, um, any broths, any pumpkins and squashes and that kind of thing, there's some other stuff, but you wouldn't want to do in a water bath canning, but your tomato sauces, your apple sauces, your, um, things like that, 
uh, salsas and all that can be done in water bath canning. Then there's other methods of preserving food. Uh, freezing is, well, I'm sure we all do that. We don't even realize that, you know, that that's, um, a certainly appropriate, uh, method of preserving tons of food is by freezing and then also dehydrating and fermenting. So I think when you're getting started, you want to kind of know what you're doing this for, right? Are you, are you building a stockpile of food? Are you building up your food supply? Are you building your pantry, are you building your freezers? Are you building your, you know, so that kind of helps you figure out what you're going to do because a lot of things are versatile. So like broccoli, um, Okay, well, let's not talk about broccoli. Let's do like green beans, right? Like you can freeze green beans or you can can green beans. So I think that that there's a lot of versatile in, versatility in this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really what works best depends on what space you have and, um, you know, all those kinds of things. So if we're talking about strictly canning, I would start with water bath canning would be uh, the easiest. And if you're really looking for something easy to do, I would do applesauce because mm-hmm. you can't really screw up applesauce. So basically you're, the idea is that you would make the applesauce and then you would process it with canning. It's really not anymore. You know, you could like, you could make the applesauce and then you could either eat it right away. Or if you want to put it up on the shelf, you would do it through the water bath canning where you're mm-hmm. boiling it in water, um, the cans and you create a seal and then you can now put it up on the shelf. Mm, you make it sound way less intimidating than I think it is in my head. I think I've just built it up yeah. in my head, but you're like oh, freezing is preserving. Yeah. I used to have a dehydrator. I used to do a ton of dehydrating and we ended up, it was huge. So when we moved, we used to live in a different country. Yeah. So when we moved, we got rid of the dehydrator, but now I have an air fryer, which has mm-hmm. a dehydrator setting. And I'm like, yeah. you know what? I need to do some dehydrated fruit is so easy. Literally all you need easy. to do is slice it really thin and dehydrate yeah. it. You can even do seasonings on there too. Um, but start and, thinking about uh, it now because things are going to be coming in season, right. like seasonally, you're going to have strawberries coming in. You can dehydrate Ooh, yeah. like like strawberries, you can uh, do fruit roll-ups, you can do mm-hmm. fruit spread, like all that kind of stuff. So everything's coming in. So not only like if you're not growing it yourself, taking advantage of lower prices when things are in peak season um, and at their best quality, um, which is another thing I teach, which is seasonal living and seasonal yes. eating. Yeah. Um, so taking advantage of that as we go into the big harvesting season, finding things on sale and then and then preserving it, freezing it, fermenting it, whatever you have to do to get it then put away so you can enjoy it in the dead of winter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things I'm, I'm super huge on, and this coincides really closely with something that I'm like releasing in my own business, not to self-promote. I know this is my podcast, yeah. but is talking about eating well on a budget. And one of the biggest mm-hmm. things that you can do is eat in season because, yep. and, and really choosing those foods that are in season and preserving it's like one step further. And I do recommend a lot of freezing. And if you yeah. do, you know, if you do can, if you do dehydrate those type of things as well, but it is so much less expensive to be able to buy a big, we love going to, we have a farm close by and we will get a like huge, huge, I don't even know what you would call it. In my head, it's a vat. It's not a vat, a huge <laughs> bucket of strawberries. Yeah. And I love that idea. I didn't even think about dehydrating the strawberries because my kids love, we'll get the freeze dried strawberries at Trader Joe's as like mm-hmm. their special treat because they're so expensive. Yeah. But that, I, I mean, I guess they do dehydrate really small, but I imagine we could get quadruple that amount if we dehydrated our own. So Mm -hmm. yeah, eating seasonally is huge. It's easy to do when you have a garden, but sometimes it's, sometimes we don't think about how easy it might be. Even if we don't have a garden, we can go to the farmer's market or we can look at 
the grocery stores that have the local. I have a couple of grocery stores around me where they will feature specifically local items, which is nice too. Even our Trader Joe's will do this is kind of from our local area and whatever is in season and in abundance and uh, preserving them however that might be. So yeah, Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I love that. So I kind of already asked this question, but if you have Mm -hmm. any other pieces of advice, obviously I've shared several times, I don't have a lot of space. So I have a very tiny freezer. So I try to actually my freezer right now is packed full, <laughs> mm-hmm. which actually is, is, I mean, you don't want it to be packed full, but it's, it's better to have more in your freezer than yeah, less in terms of thing, food safety. <laughs> um, but I don't have a second freezer like I used yeah. to have. Um, and I don't have a ton of, I don't even have a pantry actually. I just yeah. have a shelving unit. So what are some of your recommendations for incorporating some of what you share into our lives? Even if we don't have a lot of space, where would you kind of lead people or leave me. <laughs> I don't have a ton of space. So I definitely think anyone can work with what they have, at least to a certain degree. So I think, like you said, you don't have a lot of pantry space, but I'm sure you have under space under your bed or in a different cabinet or a different um, place in your house or in your, you know, where I'm sure there's somewhere else that you could, if you were really into canning and wanted to put up lots of food, we could find a place for it. Um, so, and then I also think like freezing you know, if you only have a small freezer, you can only do so much with that. And that might mean um, looking at a different method or something like that for the time being. I also think that uh, as far as growing and things, there's definitely things you can do. You can, like we talked about before, grow inside if you have, if you can. Um, not only that, but even thinking outside of your own space, you could get involved in community gardens. There's mm. lots of things like that. Like I know we have a church right down the street from here that I was saying that they had had a sign up that said they had plots available. Um, mm. Of course, that takes some time out of your time, but you could, um, if you're really interested in getting started, you could do that. Uh, you could, uh, there's just a lot of things that you can do if you were really thinking outside the box. Um, you could go in with a friend that has a little bit more property. Um, I think it's just, it it is hard when you have small space, but you can definitely work around it. I think. Mm, Yeah. It's just having that desire to work around it it and to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen. Yeah. And knowing why you want to do it, if it's whether it's coming from a place of you want the fresh food or you want to ensure you have more food security, um, having it all in your house doesn't have to necessarily be you know, and assess if you know where you can get it outside. Otherwise, mm-hmm. that makes sense. yeah, it makes sense. I love the idea of storing things under the bed too. I'm like, <laughs> well, you're supposed to store it in a cool, dark place anyway. So right. you yeah. might as well just put your cans. <laughs> I want to try it. I really do want to try doing some small form of canning. So maybe this, I think this yeah. is my inspiration this year. I'll, I'll try something out. Maybe it's making strawberry jam or, which I do. I just don't do it to the point of, of canning. And I'm so, like, yeah, so you would just make a big batch and then you would just process it in a water bath yeah. canner following, you know, a, if you look online, there's, there are recipes, um, you find a jam that's close or a jelly that's close enough and you can find, it's really just how much time you're processing mm-hmm. it for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you can actually put it up right on the shelf. So 
It'll be, it'd be so cool to be able to, yeah. especially because we're moving, bring a little bit of the Northeast with us yeah, that when we, <laughs> we moved down <laughs> South to cancel thing. Yeah. It's something I've thought about for a long time, which is why I was really excited to talk to you today because I'm like, okay, yeah. I know that the garden will happen soon, but it's just, sometimes you need someone to be like, you can do this. It's yeah, not, absolutely. it's okay. I mean, yeah. If we're going to do the pressure canning, that's one extra step. Maybe let's start small. <laughs> just like with the garden, right. start with yeah. the containers, start small when it comes to canning or other ways of preserving too. So I think you've inspired me to do some dehydration yeah, and maybe so. a little bit of a little bit of preserving. We'll see how it goes. I'll share with you if I if I well when I end up doing it. Not if, if I say if then I won't. When I what kind <laughs> of what kind of herbs do you cook the most with? Because as a cook, mm. like what would you say? Well, I mean, I I really honestly cook. It depends on the season, but yeah. I use a lot of parsley, a lot of cilantro, a lot of dill, a good amount of mint. Um, yeah. And I think I've grown all of those. Actually, I grew mint once when we did have a small little garden outside mm-hmm. of our, we had a townhome and we lived in Toronto and it took over the entire garden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so kind of like, mint. it might still be there. It might it still probably be there. is. It probably, probably, yes. Whoever bought this is probably yeah, fighting it. <laughs> yeah. We'll also do, uh, we'll do rosemary. We'll do thyme, yeah. a little bit of sage. Funny enough, my oldest daughter's name is Sage and she doesn't actually Aww. like sage very much. Um, <laughs> the flavor, she likes the yeah. color. She doesn't love the flavor, um, but we'll, we've done rosemary before. I've kept rosemary alive for a little while. That, that stayed pretty well yeah. inside for me, but. So I do think that herbs are a great way to make an impact on your cooking, your, your, mm-hmm. in your cooking and um, preserving it is easy. Um, right. And, Cause you can just dry them. Yeah. Right? And not, yeah. if you don't have to buy your herbs from the store, it's yeah. a great cost saver too. It is definitely. And it is, it's, uh, it's such a huge, like burst of flavor when you have fresh mm-hmm. herbs and pretty much anything. So yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. <sighs> Oh my goodness. This is so helpful. And this is, has definitely inspired me. I'm sure it's, you know, it's inspiring the woman who's listening as well. Is there anything that we missed anything that you really want to share with the woman who's listening, who maybe wants to start, who's maybe an aspiring homesteader who wants to start being a little bit more self-sufficient. What is your advice for her or anything else you want to share? Well, I think just by nature, anyone that's kind of interested in this lifestyle or a more self-sufficient lifestyle, um, someone that works hard and someone that is interested in learning and mastering skills. So I think that understanding that this is going to be a lifelong learning process, um, can that in and of itself help with the overwhelm that can come with wanting to do everything, you know, cause I think people that are aspire to do this are people that are passionate and want to do a lot of things and, and all of that. So I think knowing that it's a journey that you're going to be going on for many years and that there's nothing you're going to be able to master in this next year, (laughs) like completely um, helps with being overwhelmed or not knowing where to start. So I also think that just finding something that you're interested in, whether it's canning or growing or having chickens um, or, you know, whatever it is that you want to get started with and really doing it with like joy and, and just, um, just a passion to uh, learn something and maybe even teach someone, someone else, whether that's your kids or whatever, I think is a really great way to actually make it happen. 
Mm, I love that. Do you do you guys have chickens? We do have chickens. Do you? Uh, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I might need to pick your brain on chickens at some point. Really, <laughs> my kids really want chickens, and we yeah. have a lot of eggs. And I know it's it takes them a while to lay, and you have to start with, you know, just like a small plant. You, you also kids, have to start, have to start with start a small with chicken. Yeah, <laughs> your chicks. Yeah, um, but that's something hopefully in our future too. Yeah, once, we, once we have space for it, so I'll have to pick your brain. Yeah. off air about chickens because <laughs> I think that would I, be fun. It was we've only had them for a year, but like I mean we've. I don't know. It was like a long time wanting to do it and finally mm-hmm. taking a dive. And uh, yes. yeah, I, I wouldn't not have them now. Yes. <laughs> I'm kind of addicted to them now. So. We have friends actually who have chickens. Um, they have a, they have a big yard. They don't have yeah. more than, it might be an acre and their chickens, once they started laying, they produce so many eggs. Yes. Every time we come over, they're like, bring your old cartons and mm-hmm. like, give us a dozen eggs. Yeah. It's actually been a while since we've, uh, since we've seen them, we need to pop by for some. Absolutely. Eggs. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think that that's too, just to put this in there that like, so we have six chickens. It's not even a big flock. It's a small flock and we get five to six eggs a day right now in wow. the peak. So that's, a, that's more than we can eat. And mm-hmm. so I, I just think that even being able to do this and same thing with gardening, you can like bless other people, you know, yes, with like yeah. your chickens or with your eggs or your, your, uh, harvest. So I really love mm-hmm. that part. That's just like an extra bonus of like doing all of this is being able to bless people with what you're able to produce. Yeah. Oh, I love that with preserving too, with canning yeah, absolutely. That you can, you can give those things away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I had a friend give me a jar of jam last year, just out of the blue. And then she was like, Oh, yeah. my mom and I can these. I was like, Oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so great. Oh my goodness. This has been so helpful and so inspirational. Right. And I, I know that it's going to inspire other women. So where can my listeners connect with you, the work you do and your podcast? You have a podcast all about these. Topics. I do. Yes. So I have a blog. It's called winging it on the homestead, um, where I have a lot of recipes and, and things, um, how to's on there as far as everything self-sufficient. And then uh, I have a podcast called Simple Living Made Simple, um, where I talk about my garden and what we do. And I have a lot of other experts on um, to come on and give other uh, uh, topics that are complementary to that. So that's where you can find me. Um, So, yeah, join me there. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to, I'm going to dig into your podcast because now I'm I'm getting excited, especially as it's starting to get warmer. I I don't think about these things in the wintertime because I'm not in that mindset yet. I don't think about these things in the wintertime. It's just cold. And I'm just like, I can't wait for it to get warmer. And now, you know, seeing my dad's garden starting to, we were there this last weekend, this last weekend uh, when we're recording was mother's day. So we were up there and they were, you know, my dad was showing the kids all the gardening stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm getting excited. You know, they're (laughs) starting to slowly be things at the farmer's market, which is the way that we eat seasonally right now. Yeah. Um, as much as, as much as possible, the farm across the street actually has a farmer's market. So oh, that's um, fun. yeah, this has been so helpful. I'm so excited to Good. even just grow my own, my own herbs again, you know, in my, in my little kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm so, so glad. I have some fun little rapid fire questions. I love okay. to ask at the very end, just, just for fun. Cause I love to get to know my guests a little bit more. Are yes. you, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. First question, coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> <For> <laughs> my sure. favorite too. Yes. Podcast or book? Oh, that's hard. Um, I don't know. I love a book, but just, I, uh, 
I have more, I guess, podcasts at this point, season in my life with kids. I can listen in the car. And it is that. easier yeah. to listen to podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you eat for breakfast this morning? Um, I had bacon and hash browns from Yum. leftovers from dinner last night. <laughs> so yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. What is your first choice? Oh, I know we talk, we're talking about self-sustainable living yeah. or self-sufficient living, but if you're going to order out or go to a restaurant, oh. what is your first choice? Um, something I can't make. So mm-hmm. that would be Chinese food or sushi. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I guess I could, I have, yeah, I can't, I've, I've tried too many times. So <laughs> sushi or, and, and Chinese food. Absolutely. Sushi is our favorite too. Yeah. <laughs> Are you an early bird or a night owl? Night owl. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah. And last but not least, because this is the Healthy Balance Mama podcast, and I love to talk about balance in every area. What does mm-hmm. balance mean to you in this season? Oh, um, balance to me right now, I don't I guess for me, it's understanding that whatever time season I'm in is that it's only temporary. So I kind of take that. I would say that balance in this season right now is like I said, understanding that it is temporary. So for me, uh, with kids, you know, kids are only a certain age. Like I have a toddler and I have a baby and I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old. So finding balance right now isn't understanding that it's chaotic and that it's chaos, that there may not be what actually feels like balance right now, but that will balance out in the end, a couple of years from now it'll be calmer. So I think it's just understanding that things are constantly changing and just kind of embracing whatever season you're in at the moment. Mm, oh, I love that. It's so true too. Yeah. That is like the, that is the piece of advice that when, whenever we have friends who have their first baby and they ask us like, do you have any advice? We're like, actually we do. And the only piece <laughs> of advice we'll give them, I we will not give advice, but anything else is that everything is a season. Yeah. Everything's a season and it's going to change. Everything's going to change. You think you've gotten a routine down one day. It's probably going to change the next day. And as kids get older, things get, they get easier in some ways and then harder in others too. But those like chaotic, I've, I only have two kiddos, so I don't understand having more, (laughs) but I know for us, like the, the everyday chaos has just gotten a little bit, a little bit easier as things have, you know, there's Mm -hmm. different problems. You got school drama now with my older daughter. Yeah. Um, you know, things like that, but, uh, it does get a little bit, a little bit more calm, but everything's yeah. a season and there'll be different things that Absolutely. come up in another season too. Right. So yeah. yeah. Love and that. it goes, it goes even just life season, but all seasons, but also, you know, to like the seasonal thing, it's everything is all it changing and cyclical and it's, you know, just embracing whatever it is that you're in. It's really the only way I can find balance <laughs> or harmony, let's say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a great way to okay. tie everything into this seasonal living. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> I love this so much. Oh my goodness. This was so great. Thank you so much. Thank you so for much for having taking me. time out of your busy yeah. day. This has been really great. And I'm so excited because we're going to record on your podcast yes, too. I and am uh, we get too. to talk about cooking in a yes. little bit. So yep. the listeners can look out for that if it hasn't come out yet, kind of depending on timeline. We'll, we'll make sure to. Yeah. Everything will be down below either way. <laughs> I'm excited. Thank you. I love you for podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Healthy Balance Mama podcast. If you loved it, would you take a screenshot and share it with a friend over on Instagram and tag me in it? 
It helps me so much to know what you love and are taking away from each episode. If you really loved it, would you hop over to iTunes and give me a star rating and review? Every rating and review helps this podcast be seen and heard by more women who need to hear the message of balance and wellness without deprivation. It's the best free gift you could give me. And as a reminder, the information and opinions on this podcast are meant for education and inspiration only and are not to be taken as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with a trusted practitioner before making any changes. Have a beautiful day, friend, and I'll see you in the next episode.